Well, our reading this morning comes from Acts chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 42 to 47, which can be found on page 911 of the church Bibles. If you'd like to follow along, and it's also going to appear on the screen. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And all came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Well, if you'd like to keep that passage open in front of you, and we'll look at that together. And let's pray and ask for God's help as we do. Our Father, we thank you for your word, and we thank you for the time that we can spend uh, in it now. We pray that as we do, that your spirit would uh, be at work, that you would speak, O Lord, that you would renew our minds, renew our hearts, uh, and, and refresh our souls today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I, I wonder what you think of when you hear the word church. Uh, maybe you think of the building that you're sitting in right now, uh, or uh, maybe you think of the meeting that happens here every Sunday as we gather. Uh, some might think of the church in a wider sense as uh, an institution, or, or maybe you think about it as the network of relationships that, that make up the Christian community that you're a part of. All these are, are different ways that we might think about the church, and depending on what we think the church is, will affect what we think the church does. Uh, well, today we're continuing our series in the early chapters of Acts, and we're looking at a passage that provides a model of church life. It gives us a picture of the early church, what it was and what it did, and how God's Spirit empowered God's people to fulfill God's mission. Uh, we've been thinking about that mission over the past couple of weeks, how Jesus called his people to be his witnesses, to share the good news of who he was and what he had done. And it's a call that is given to God's people in every age and in every place. And though responding to that call can be a daunting prospect, we've seen already that the task that Jesus calls his followers to is one that he equips them for. We've seen that his call to witness, it comes after his promise of power. In Acts chapter 1 verse 8, at the beginning of the book, he promises his followers, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. So God's people, the church, are not alone. They are empowered by God's Holy Spirit to be his witnesses. And last week we saw that power at work as, as Peter preached on the day of Pentecost and 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. 
And we saw how that should give us real confidence that when we faithfully share the truth about Jesus, God's Spirit works drawing people to faith in Him. When we witness, we are never alone. God's Spirit works powerfully. And it's as people trust in Jesus that they become part of God's people, the church. And it's as his people that we're empowered to witness. See, Jesus' promise of power was a promise he made to his people. The promise of the Holy Spirit is a promise for the church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter promised that all who repented and turned to Christ would receive this gift of the Holy Spirit. And it's God's Spirit that unites his people together and empowers them to be his witnesses. Uh, If we were to look on a bit in the New Testament to uh, the early church leader Paul in one of his letters to the church in Ephesus, we read in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 22 that God's people are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. Now that is an incredible thought when when you unpack it a wee bit, that, that God dwells in his church, by his spirit. That means that when people encounter the church, when they come into contact with the community of God's people, they encounter something profound, something supernatural. When we gather here on a Sunday, God is with us. And we get a sense of his spirit at work as we, as we sing and as we, as we pray and as we, as we look at the Bible together. But God's presence amongst his people is not limited to a Sunday meeting in a building. God is at work 24 hours a day, seven days a week in his people as they live out their lives together in community as his church. It says they do that that the world around us gets to encounter Jesus. And that is what happened in the early church. In Acts chapter 2, verse 42 to 47, we have this wonderful picture of what a spirit-filled church is meant to look like. And I just want to highlight a few things uh, this morning that we see in this church that ought to shape our life as a church and the witness that we have to the world around us. If you look with me at verse 42, Luke writes there, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So notice, first of all, that these early Christians, they devoted themselves to learning. Specifically, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, an apostle was another name for Jesus' closest followers, his disciples. Their, their teaching would have included all that, that Jesus had taught them and, and, and all that they had witnessed Jesus do. And Luke says that these early Christians, they were devoted to learning what the apostles had to teach them. Now, when you're devoted to something, you make it an absolute priority in your life. And these Christians, they were a devoted people. They were committed to growing in their understanding of all that Jesus said and how he called them to live. 
They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching because they knew that that was where the power to live and witness for Jesus was to be found, in the Spirit-empowered Word of God. Devotion to the apostles' teaching, it means a wholehearted commitment to live by what God has said in his Word. And that's why a healthy church will place such a high priority on learning from Scripture in the belief that God speaks to us powerfully by His Spirit through what is written here. And it was a power that this early church saw manifested in their midst. We're told, verse 43, And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So, So these early Christians, they weren't just told what to believe, they were given evidence for why to believe it. The miracles that we read about in verse 43, they they weren't just uh, amazing displays of power for the sake of it. Notice Luke refers to them as signs. It's the same term that, that Peter used in his sermon when he spoke of Jesus' miracles. They were called signs because they acted as signposts that pointed beyond the miracles themselves to teach the church something about Jesus, about who he was, about what he had come to do. So so the purpose of these signs was to show the truth of what the apostles were teaching. It it was a, a way of verifying what they were teaching. Belief in Jesus was not some blind leap in the dark. It was based on evidence. The Christian faith is a reasonable faith. It can be tested. It can be verified. It stands up to scrutiny. We saw last week that in his Pentecost sermon, Peter grounded his presentation of Jesus in the historical events that surrounded his life. He appealed to what the crowd already knew to be true. This guy, Jesus, really did exist. And Christians are people who have weighed up the evidence and come to the conclusion that Jesus really is the one who can save us. Our faith, it's not a blind leap in the dark. It is founded on truth. A commitment to the apostles' teaching was a top priority in the early church, and a faithful church will share that devotion. So so the early church, they devoted themselves to learning. But that wasn't the only thing they devoted themselves to. Notice, secondly, verse 42, they were devoted to one another. Specifically, they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And that's really just another way of saying that they were committed to living together in community. In other words, they didn't just see each other uh, once a week and wave across a crowded room. Verse 46 tells us that they were committed to daily interaction with one another. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. They made time for one another uh, a priority in their lives. Time to encourage one another. Time to pray with one another. Uh, Time to offer hospitality to one another. These things were daily realities for these Christians. 
And they went way beyond superficial friendships. They looked out for each other's practical needs as well. Luke tells us in verse 44, and all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. Such a radical picture, isn't it? These Christians, they were so committed to each other that they knew when someone was in need. And when a need arose, they sought to meet that need, even if it meant selling possessions. They were willing to make sacrifices for one another. At a time when there was no welfare system, their way of life would have stood out as so countercultural in the society that they were in. And this is such a challenging picture, isn't it? This is what it looks like to be the people of God. The church goes way beyond a Sunday meeting. It involves devotion to one another. Making the relationships amongst our church family a priority in our lives. I wonder if you were to look at your diary over the next month. What does it say about where you place your church family in terms of your priorities? Our faith, it's not something that's just between us and God. It is meant to be lived out in community. Now, if you are just checking out Christianity, you will not see this aspect of the church by just popping your head through the door from time to time. To really see this, you need to take time to come alongside the people. To get a real sense of what a church is all about, you need to watch how they care for one another. If you want to see God at work amongst his people, then look at the way his people practically love one another when one of its family is in need. One of the real blessings of being part of this church over the years has been seeing that practical love in action. Seeing God minister to people through his people. We are by no means perfect, but, but again and again I've been privileged to witness the way that people genuinely love and serve one another uh, in, in a all sorts of different ways. Caring for people who are struggling with illness. Uh, getting around people in a crisis. Offering hospitality to, to people who, who are lonely or need a place to stay. Uh, providing babysitting to give parents a night out. It's been a massive encouragement to see all that play out over the years. These are things that you just don't see by turning up occasionally on a Sunday. You only get to experience that kind of community by spending time around the people of God. Being devoted to community is part of what it means to be the church. And this early church, they devoted themselves to community. And then thirdly, we learn that they, they were devoted to worship. That's what Luke tells us, verse 42. He says that they were devoted to the breaking of bread and the prayers. Now that term breaking of bread could simply refer to, to eating a meal together. And it does in verse 46. But, but the fact that in verse 42 it's prefaced by, by a the, it tells us 
that it's actually referring to a particular meal. The breaking of bread is a reference to the Lord's Supper that Jesus shared with his disciples shortly before he died. Jesus told his followers to, to remember his death by sharing in that meal when they met together. And that's what Christians have done ever since when they gather together to worship God. It provides us with a, a visible reminder of the fact that Jesus paid the penalty for sin for anyone who would trust in him. And it's something that we'll be doing here in a few minutes. So, so the reference to the breaking of bread, it implies a corporate gathering like this. Uh, the reference to the prayers also suggests that there was some kind of form to their meetings. It wasn't just a random get-together. There were times when these early Christians gathered for a particular purpose, to worship God together in a corporate sense. And that happened in larger and smaller gatherings. Luke tells us, verse 46, that they, they gathered in the temple courts. Uh, that would have allowed them to get together as a larger group. And they also met in smaller groups in, in homes. So, so the picture we have of the early church was of a, a devoted community. Uh, but it was a devoted community that was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And that is absolutely key. You see, if, if this had just been some social project or, or, or hippie commune, it would never have lasted. People would have got tired of living like this. But notice what Luke tells us in verse 46. As they did these things, these early Christians, they did them with glad and generous hearts. In verse 47, they praised God. They were full of joy as they met together. This wasn't some fake, uh, superficial happiness. It was a genuine, deep joy that came from hearts that had been transformed by the gift of God's Spirit. In response to the message of the gospel, they had received the promised gift of the Holy Spirit. Even though they'd done nothing to deserve it, God in his love and his grace had provided a savior in Jesus Christ. And now their lives had been transformed. They had new hearts, new natures. The outcome of that remarkable sermon at Pentecost was a transformed, spirit-filled community. Verse 43 tells us that they were filled with awe as they saw God at work amongst them. As a spirit-filled church, they devoted themselves to learning and growing in their relationship with God. As a spirit-filled church, they longed to meet together, to care for one another, to love one another. And as a spirit-filled church, their hearts were full of praise and thanks to God. They weren't perfect, far from it. They would have had all sorts of struggles, and we see those struggles as we read on through the book of Acts and as we study the letters of the New Testament. But at the heart of their community was a spirit-filled devotion to Jesus Christ. And that poured out in praise and thanksgiving. The power of God was at work through his people. And when the Spirit of God is at work through his people, lives are changed. We read verse 47, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The result of this learning, 
caring, worshiping community was an attractiveness that God used to draw people to himself. God changed lives through this spirit-filled community. When people looked at this church, they saw something that they, they, they wouldn't have seen anywhere else. When they looked at this community, they were pointed beyond the community itself to the one at the very heart of it, Jesus Christ. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Isn't that amazing? That every day, God added to their number. Every day, people came to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They became part of the people of God. That tells us that this church was engaged with the world around them. They weren't cut off in some holy huddle. If you read on through the book of Acts, you'll see that, that following Jesus was no walk in the park. The church faced intense persecution. Leaders were imprisoned and killed. But Luke tells us in verse 47 that the church still had favor with all kinds of people. Their neighbors, their workmates, their, their friends, their families. They were brought alongside this Christian community in day-to-day -day life to see a new way of living that was so different and yet so attractive that they were drawn to Jesus. These Christians, they lived their daily lives in such a way that those around them wanted to know more. They were the kind of neighbors, the kind of workmates, the, the kind of people that, 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 that people wanted to have around them. They didn't live their faith out behind closed doors. They lived it out alongside people who didn't yet know Jesus. See, as a church, we shouldn't rely on the occasional event to invite people to. There's nothing wrong with events. They've got their place. But it's important that we understand that primarily our lives are the event. The way that we bless our neighbors, the way that we interact with the, the people of Leith, the way that we relate to one another, it ought to point people to Jesus. It ought to cause them to, want to find out more. Sinclair Ferguson writes that the preaching of the gospel can never be isolated from the life of the church. Only when non-Christians see the power of the gospel in people they know are they likely to respond to it. God uses the attractiveness of the Christian community to fulfill his mission. As we live faithful lives in the world and as we share our faith, people respond as God works through his Holy Spirit. Notice it was the Lord who added to their number. God's Spirit opened people's eyes. And when we recognize that it is God who changes lives, well, then the most obvious response to that truth is to pray. To pray like the early church did. They recognized that God was the one who transformed lives and that unless he was at the heart of everything, then what they were doing was in vain. And so they were devoted to prayer. In everything they did, they sought God, whether at the temple courts or gathered together in homes. When they met together, they prayed together. 
A devoted church is a, a church that is quick to go to God and to seek him in every situation. Whether that's when we gather on a Sunday or when we spend time together informally through the week. We need to recognize that unless God is at the heart of what we do, then it's pointless. Now, as we meet here this morning, we represent a, a movement that in spite of persecution, uh, in spite of hostility, uh, in spite of the passing of 2,000 years, is still growing today. More than 2 billion people on our planet would call themselves Christians. How is that possible? How does it go from 120 followers when Jesus ascended, 3,000 on the day of Pentecost, to over 2 billion today? Well, Luke makes it clear that it is all down to God working powerfully through his people, the church, by his Holy Spirit, changing lives, adding to their number day by day. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we are not alone, uh, that you have given us the gift of your Holy Spirit to work powerfully through your people. We thank you for the blessing it is to be part of your church, and we thank you for the blessing it is to be part of this church here in this place. Lord, we thank you that you have placed us here for a purpose, uh, that you have gifted us in so many different ways You've blessed this church in so many different ways, and you've given us a tremendous opportunity to share the good news of the Lord Jesus with the people of Leith. And so we pray that you would strengthen us, uh, that you would give us confidence and boldness and trust in your spirit to work, and that you would deepen our faith and, and deepen our relationships with one another so that when the world comes in contact with us, they would see something so radically different and yet so, so beautifully attractive that they would want to know Jesus. Lord, we thank you for the gift of your spirit and we thank you for the blessing it is to know you. And we pray, Lord God, that as we, as we seek to serve you here, that you would be honored, that you would be worshiped, that you would be glorified in all that we do and that more and more people would be added to this number that more and more people would know the salvation that only Jesus can give. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.